Servant leadership. I always sit up straight when GGC talks of servant leadership. His writings and actions perpetually inspire me. In further support of Hill's enduring conviction, attached to the written paper is a piece by Jim Heskett, who's the Professor Emeritus at Harvard Business School. He writes, An age-old concept related to the service profit chain is that of servant leadership. It is a term loosely used to suggest that a leader's primary role is to serve others, especially employees. I witnessed a practical example of it at a service master board meeting in the 1990s, where CEO William Pollard spilled a cup of coffee prior to the board meeting. Instead of summoning someone to clean it up, he asked a colleague to get him some cleaning compound and a cloth. Things easily found in a company that provides cleaning services whereupon he proceeded to get down on his hands and knees to clean up the spill himself. The remarkable thing was that board members and employees alike hardly noticed that as, he, as he did it. It was as if he was expect, it was expected in a company with a self-proclaimed servant leadership. Lao Tzu wrote about servant leadership in the 5th century BC when he said, The highest type of ruler is one of the, one whose existence that people are barely aware of. Next comes one who they love and praise. Next comes one who they fear. Next comes one whom they despise and defy. The sage is self-effacing and scanty of words. When his task is accomplished and things have been completed, all the people say, we ourselves have achieved it. So it is natural, rightly or wrongly, to relate it to, the, to, it, to a concept, the service profit chain, that begins with employees. To theory why management, focused on delegation, accountability and individual fulfilment, or to the concept of an inverted pyramid organisation. At other times, it has been associated with organisations that, with near theological values, for example, service masters, that I spoke of earlier, talk, talk of to honour God is all we do, or Max Dupree's leadership at Herman Miller, as expressed in his book, Leadership is an Art, that emphasises the importance of love, elegance, caring and inclusivity as central elements of management. In that regard, it's akin to the Pope's annual washing and kissing of the feet of the incarcerated. The modern era of servant leadership began with a paper, The Servant as Leader, written by Robert Greenleaf in 1970. In it, he said, the servant leader is servant first. It begins with the natural feeling that one wants to serve, to serve first. Then conscious choice brings one to aspire to lead versus one who is, is leader first. The best test and difficult to administer is, do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves to become servants? And what is the effect on the least privileged in society? Will they benefit or at least not be further deprived? Others have concluded that the strong suits of servant leaders include listening, empathy, healing, awareness, persuasion, 
that is convincing others versus using coercion, conceptualization that is beyond the day-to-day -day realities, foresight, stewardship, commitment to the growth of people, and community building. Servant leadership has been given substantial credit for the success of companies such as Starbucks, TD Industries, Southwest Airlines and Brook Brothers, as well as the development of the people they employ. Now it appears that a group of organisational psychologists, led by Adam Grant, are attempting to measure the impact of servant leadership on leaders, not just those they lead. Grant describes research in his upcoming book, Give and Take, that suggests that servant leaders are not only more likely regarded than others by their employees, and not only feel better about themselves at the end of the day, but are more productive as well. He attributes this to his thesis that servant leaders are the beneficiaries of important contacts, information and insights that make them more effective and productive in what they do, even though they spend a great deal of their time helping others through such things as career counselling, contacts, and suggestions for new ways of doing things. Further, givers don't waste much time deciding to whom to give and in what order. He concludes that giving can be exhausting, but also self-replenishing. What he doesn't say is that it has a real impact on others, only when it is incorporated into an organisation's strategy and culture, measured and rewarded. Grant proposes a strategy for giving and taking, based on social science research on reciprocity. It divides people into three groups, givers, matches and takers. Givers give back without expectation of return. Matches keep track of people to whom they've given and expect to receive something from them later. They note from whom they've received and attempt to return the favour. Takers, on the other hand, having received, take again and again. So in his seemingly tireless efforts to give, described in the book, Grant makes it a practice to give to everyone until he detects a taker that can be eliminated from his so-called gift list. So what does this all mean for us all as leaders at Omnicom? First, a caution. Research in organisational psychology too often involves conclusions based on experiments performed with subjects handiest to the researcher, that is, students. Results of the experiments themselves often are subject to wide interpretation. Nevertheless, what organisational psychologists are observing is probably a reflection, in part, of trends that you've experienced in your own careers as you rise in the organisation. More and more of your time is devoted to others rather than yourself. If that is not the case, as the airline cabin attendant says, before we close the door, it would probably be a good idea for you to get off the plane now. However, servant leadership is more than just giving. It is being able to provide that timely feedback that colleagues need and millennials expect. It is sensing the need of important individual contributors to your organisation. It is stepping aside to give credit to others for successes while stepping up to assume responsibility for whatever responsibility one might have had 
for its failure. It is building relationships among colleagues that produce an organisation that gives first and takes later. Practicing servant leadership with clients and others. Servant leadership is only one approach to leading. It isn't for everyone. Is it for you? If so, on what one thing will you practice to see if you can improve upon your servant leadership skills? A conscious, conscious strategy for giving, for example. Making giving a habit. Or maybe something else. I'll leave it there and have a great day.